Welcome to the Cuban Family Roots Podcast, a monthly podcast dedicated to discussing Cuban history and ancestral roots. I'm your host, Aileen Vega, podcasting from Woodbridge, New Jersey. As a genealogy enthusiast, I created the Cuban Family Roots Podcast to help others in their genealogical journey. I conduct interviews with Cuban researchers and geneticists, authors, and those with knowledge and expertise in Cuban history and genealogical research. I'm committed to conducting interviews that will point to genealogical information and resources to lead family historians in the right path to finding their family roots. From 1492, when Columbus claimed the island for Spaniards to present-day Cuban, our history has been rich and traumatic. Now our family history is slowly vanishing due to archival despair. Cubans inside and outside the island yearn to capture, learn our past, our origins, and our ancestral roots. Knowledge of our history is the key to keeping our Cuban family roots alive. I hope you enjoy listening to each episode as much as I enjoy producing them. The Cuban Family Roots Podcast can be heard on Spotify, Radio Public, Google Podcasts, and many other platforms. You can support us by simply listening and engaging. Hello and welcome to episode one of the Cuban Family Roots podcast. I'm your host, Aileen Vega. Today, we will be talking about the basics of Cuban genealogy. I think this episode will be very helpful for those Cuban Americans who are searching their Cuban genealogy but have very little information on how to get started. Cubans do not benefit from conventional genealogy web searches like Ancestry and MyHeritage. We use unprecedented avenues to find archives. My hope is that you enjoy and learn from my journey to help you with your journey. Enjoy this episode. Genealogy is defined as the study or investigation of ancestry and family histories. When starting with your Cuban genealogy, begin with yourself. Ask your relatives for birth, death, and marriage certificates, all family photos, immigration documents, and interview every living relative that you can find. This is where you can begin. Now, as you find those uh, information and those documents, and as you start going through them, there are things that you have to be aware of. First of all, remember that we have a unique naming system in which children are commonly given two surnames, one from each parent. The middle name, or first surname, comes from the father, the father's name, el apellido paterno. And the last name, the second surname, is the mother's maiden name, apellido materno. Sometimes these two surnames may have found separated by a Y. For example, in my case, my last name is Vega, and which is my father's uh, paternal um, last name. And Villarreal is my mom's surname. So if it's separated by a Y, it will be Vega y Villarreal. Uh, that doesn't happen to be the case with me, but uh, it's just an illustration of something that you might see. This was most um, 
common back in those days. I don't see a lot of people with the with the why. Um, if you were born in the United States, your birth certificate or your baptismal will say uh, will be easy to uh, to acquire, and you will probably have a lot of information about your parents and even your grandparents within that certificate. Whether you brought it from Cuba or if you were born here, um, you know there's information that you will find on your grandparents, such as their names and things like that. If your parents were born in Cuba, it is very likely that they brought their birth certificates with them from Cuba. If they have it, you will be able to get your paternal and maternal grandparents' names and surnames. So, for example, I was born in Cuba, so I have a Cuban birth certificate that provides me with my parents and both my maternal and paternal grandparents' names and surnames. Try to go up back as far as possible you know if your parents remember or know who their great-grandparents were uh, write down um, the names that they know in my case I have to say uh, my 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 mom uh, had my he she actually met my my great-grandfather so she was able to give me his uh, uh, paternal and maternal surnames if you get names and start interviewing your family member, your abuelitos, your abuelitas, and everyone in the family that can give you information, I highly recommend that you record it. Either write down everything they tell you or record their voices. Because one of the things that commonly happens is that we end up forgetting what we talked about. And even though I'm still young, I do remember having conversations with my parents where I asked them questions. And today, I I really lost it. I just can't seem to remember. So write down everything that you ask. So now that you have gone through the interview process and... Uh, You've gotten a lot of um, coloring, color in your in your history. You know a little bit about your grandfather, if he was uh, in the war. You know you have family stories and things of that nature. Now you're starting to get a better picture of who your ancestors were, um, and you have dates and all that. All those all that information is going to help you, as well as uh, you know the town where they were born. But one thing that is very important is to know your Cuban history. I highly recommend to know your Cuban history. I came when I was uh, seven years old, so I don't have any history uh, that I learned when I was in school in Cuba. Uh, so growing up in America, the history that I learned was American history. And I really didn't know much about Cuban history except, you know, stories that I would hear. But as a child, you never really, you're not interested in hearing those stories when you're a child. You don't become interested in those stories until you're a grown up. So know your, your history. Places where your ancestors lived is a great way to speed up your research. So um, the town, you know, Take a note of that because that's very important. 
Uh, common immigration and migration patterns may provide clues to your ancestry country of origin. In Cuba, it's not just knowing the name of your village where they were born, but also know the province. For example, my family is from Santo Cristo de la Salud, a small village that may not appear in a Cuban map. Actually, it won't appear. La Santo Cristo de la Salud is between San Antonio de los Baños and Kibicón. Uh, la Salud was part of Havana province. However, when, um, when they started changing the names, when that occurred of the provinces and splitting up the, the provinces, um, La Salud was no longer part of Havana. It became part of Mayabeque. So this really changed things for me as I was looking into my Cuban history and family research, doing my family research because now everything that I had gotten thinking that La Salud was in Havana province now you know things change now it's Mayabeque and that you know made it a little bit confusing for me but so it's important to know where you, um, where you're from what village you're from what town you're from what city you're from what province you're from so that when you hire a Cuban researcher you really know to point that person in the right direction Cuba might be an island, but Cuba is a really big island. There are a lot of churches. There are a lot of parishes. Things have changed names. You really need to know these things. Um, because a researcher will need to know what parish to look for. Okay? So in my case, I'll give you an example that might be very helpful to you. My uh, Most of my, sense, my ancestors are from Santo Cristo de la Salud. Santo Cristo de la Salud has a church and has a parish. However, the records for Santo Cristo de la Salud are located in San Felipe and Santiago, which is the parish and the church in Bejucal. So I didn't know this when I was doing my research. So I kept asking people to go to the parish in Santo Cristo de la Salud and you know, they were like, no, you know, we can't find anything there. There, there is, there are no records there. And, and so that made it very confusing for me until I spoke to someone who told me, no, all the records for Santo Cristo de la, de la Salud are located in Bejucal. This really helped me. So I really do suggest that, um, you know, you really learn this um, in your particular situation. Know which church belongs or which parish belongs to your village or your ancestors attended, but also know where the records are kept. In the Cuban Genealogy Club of Miami, please, I highly recommend that you join them. They have indexes for various um, parishes in Havana and other provinces. I was lucky that they have the indexes for Bejucal, which has all the Bejucal records as well as Santo Cristo de la Salud. But going back to um, learning about your history, one of the things that you want to really understand about Cuba is some historical facts, because this can help you. As I told you earlier, if you're interviewing your your parents or your grandparents or your abuelos and your tios and tias, um, it, it's important to know some facts so that when you interview them, 
you can ask better questions. And some of these facts are, you know, conflicts and wars, things that occurred in Cuba. These are really important to know. For example, if you go to Wikipedia, there is a chart which will provide you with a, um, a list of all the conflicts that occurred in Cuba, all the different wars, uh, who was fighting that war, who were they fighting against, and what was the result of that war, as well as who the president was during that war. Okay, so for example, the 10 years war, uh, it'll give you the dates 1868 through 1878. It was fought by Cubans with Spaniards, against the Spaniards. And uh, they, def uh, they were defeated. Okay, uh, so it's good to know. And at that time, there was no president in Cuba. Okay, so then you have the little war which was the, the, the Guerra Pequeña, and that started from 1879 to 1880, so just lasted one year, and was again um, Cubans against Spaniards, and there was a defeat. No president at the time in Cuba, but then you have the Cuban War of Independence, which was a war uh, where Cubans and Americans fought against Spain, And Cuba came out victorious, okay? This was the Cuban independence from Spain, okay? Again, at that time, there, there was no president. Now, we, we do have a president in the Cuban pacification in 1906, and that was Tomás Estrada Palma, okay? And this was a, a war, more like a political war, I guess, between the conservatives and the liberals, And the liberals uh, defeated the conservatives. And um, it was a subsequent U.S. occupation of Cuba. So this is when the U.S. Um, occupied Cuba. Okay. And there's many other wars. Um, I'm not a historian. So, but... It's important for this very reason to know this, these, uh, these um, conflicts and these things in history as you are learning about your ancestors, um, especially if your ancestors um, were in the military. Uh, there are military records that um, you can start looking up and uh, you can learn a lot of information about them. So ask yourself, did any of your ancestors serve in the military? If they served in the struggle for independence from Spain, Cuban fought three revolutionary conflicts. I mentioned them before, La Guerra de los Diez Años, La Guerra Chiquita, and La Guerra de la Independencia. Okay? So it is very important that uh, you know about these because uh, there are lists of soldiers and officers who participated in this conflict and um, and they survived. The original records are more likely in the National Archives of Cuba, which um, if you have a researcher, as I mentioned before, uh, they can try to find that information. Okay. Now, in, uh, one thing that I do want to note is that if you have a researcher, 
a researcher that you hired in Cuba, or if you're looking to hire a researcher in Cuba, in order for that researcher to get into the Cuban uh, National Archives, she or he has to have a historian ID. This is the only way they could get into the uh, National Archives. Okay, so, and there's some sources um, that I'd like to give you. You know, you can go to wikipedia.org or you can go to the cubangemweb.org and there is more list information, okay, that you can get. Records to search for. Once you have an understanding of the history of Cuba and have gathered some information about your family, the town where they're from, and you have a sense of Cuba's history, be aware of the type of records that you will need to gather as well as where in Cuba you'll need to search. As I said before, knowing where to search can cut a lot of wasteful time. Although Cuba is an island, Cuba is a big island. And there are many churches and parishes. Not all parishes keep records or archives. So you will need to figure out where the town or village records are kept. In my case, the records for the town, the village where my ancestors were born, which is the city of, um, actually the village of La Santo Cristo de la Salud, most of those um, records are kept in um, Bejucal. Now, there are church records that you need to be aware of and things that you will find in the parish. In the parish, you will find baptismals and marriage, sometimes even confirmation, as well as, as death records. For example, I know Bejucal parish has some death records for La Salud, as well as confirmation records. So it's, it's good that you're aware of this because sometimes if you cannot find a baptismal, the death record can actually shed a lot of information about uh, grandparents and even uh, you know parents and grandparents and even the children. So you'll be able to make the connection. Um, the death records has the deceased person's name, his parents' names, spouse's names, children's names and often they they state the notary's um name this is the person who notarized the the document with the notary's name you can then go to the protocolo section of the national archives in havana and find the last will and testament for that individual it is also important to know that they have these records for both blacks and whites Other archives and where to find them. Aside from the parish, you can also have a researcher search at the Havana Archdiocese for other records. The records that I'm going to talk about then, then, um, I'm sorry, the records that I'm going to talk about now are really important. And these are called expedientes, and expedientes began in the 1800s. Uh, there are four types of expedientes that I will discuss.
The four expedientes that I will discuss today are the ultramarines, expedientes de sortería in Spanish, dispenses, expedientes consanguíneo, or dispensations in English, the ordained or ordenes sagradas, or files for men that were ordained into priesthood, and capellanias. Okay, these are fam family endowments. So let's start with the ultramarinos. As I mentioned earlier, these are expedientes de soltería. And this was usually acquired by a non-Cuban national who wanted to marry a Cuban. And this individual would have to file uh, for these, these with the archbishop. My first ultramarino was of my third great-grandfather, Antonio Luis Madero Díaz de la Guardia. Within that expediente, I was also fortunate to find his baptismal certificate. So this type of expediente, ultramarino, um, sheds a lot of information. I learned that he came where he came from, which was uh, Tenerife, Isla Canaria. When he was 17, he was a single male, came alone. I learned uh, what he did for a living and he was married prior to marrying my great-great-grandmother. These records are lengthy. I would highly suggest that you hire someone to transcribe as they're really hard to read. Not only because they're written in Old Spanish, but also because um, um, being able to, um, to read the handwriting, it's, uh, it's uh, quite challenging. Dispensa, expediente consanguíneo. These are the dispensations, and these were for persons who were related and wanted to marry. It was required of first and second cousins, and beyond that was not necessary, although many third cousins also got them. Usually, the file will contain baptismal for the groom, baptismal for the bride-to-be, explanations on how they were related, So there might be like a mini family tree that explains how these two individuals are related. Um, most of these old dispensations are now have been destroyed, unfortunately. Only the latter part of the 18th and the 19th centuries are available. And you can get these at the Havana Archdiocese. And they're also available for the Archdiocese of Santiago de Cuba, if you are from the area of uh, province of Orientes in Camagüey. Um, <clears throat> the other expedientes ordenes sagradas, or um, these were ordained into, for men who were ordained into priesthood, usually the file will also contain baptismal certificates for the ordained priest, uh, his parents' marriage certificate, his parents' marriage certificate, and information on when he became a either deacon or a priest. Um, sometimes, some, not many, but some might, might also have a long history of the family, and these files exist from circa 1730. So... Capellanias or family endowments uh, le were left for those individuals uh, who were going to become future um, or um, priests or wanted to study priesthood. Um, so 
I don't think there's a lot of those. Uh, these are not like something that you, everybody has. But um, if somebody in your ancestry was or was a priest, you may want to see if um, these expedientes were left behind. Archivo Nacional, National Archives. Um, Archivo Nacional de La Habana um, is where all the um, national archives are, are. You can find them, records and, and things of that nature. And you'll find there like things like wills and testament, escribanas, uh, anything that's notarized. Um, some have uh, baptismal and marriage records. One thing that I do want to make people aware of that is that in order for a researcher or historian to be able to go into the National Archives, he or she must have a historian ID. This was something that I learned when I hired my researcher, my first researcher in Cuba. Um, he told me uh, that I was able to obtain a um, consanguinio expediente consanguinio and that he was able to uh, to acquire that for me so um, I got lucky that he had the ID the other um, record that you can get in Cuba which uh, a lot of people believe is hard to find is the civil registry the Cuban civil registry was not in effect until the 1880s However, a lot of people think that this is uh, hard to find, but nothing is further from the truth. In the village of Santo Cristo de la Salud, I was able to acquire the civil registry for myself, my parents, and my grandparents. And it took me about three days. I did not have to hire anyone. I actually got one of my cousins in Cuba to get it for me, and I think it, it only cost like about one Cuban peso for each registry. The University of Havana is another place where records can be found. If you know of any ancestors that attended uh, the University of Havana, they might have a student records. Within the student records, you might be able to find uh, baptismal birth certificates of parents and grandparents. On the next segment, I'm going to talk about books, books that you should be aware of. So we have learned what places to search for um, archives and records. We have learned um, about um, how to get to those records and how easy it is to get civil registry. Now we're going to talk about some books that you should be aware of. Now, there are many books that have been written about genealogy. I'm not going to name all of them, but these are some of the important ones. Um, so the first book that I want to mention where you're more likely to find someone in your ancestry is Historias de Familia Cubanas. And this was written by Francisco Javier de Santa Cruz y Mellán. Okay, uh, Conde de, uh, de San Juan de Jaruco y de San Cruz de Mopox. All the nine volumes are available 
on interlibrary loan, and they're also available at the Florida International University Green Library. If you go to the Cuban Genealogy Club of Miami, you'll get more information about these. You also have the Enrique Hurtado de Mendoza collection and indices and extradictions from the General Protocols Archives of La Habana. Okay, by Maria Teresa de Rojas. It was published in Havana in 1947, and there's three volumes of those. Um, another book that I found to be really interesting was Familias de Bayamo. Um, it's an unpublished book in 1775 um, because I heard that the, the parish in Bayamo um, a lot of the archives or that particular parish burned down. In particular, I have an ancestor that I was searching for. He was from Bayamo, and I couldn't get any information on him because of the parish burning down. I, I looked in this particular book, Familia de Bayamo, and I couldn't find anything. I might be saying it wrong, so I think it's Bayamo. So, <clears throat> uh, excuse my... My Spanish, uh, Celia would say, is not very good looking. Um, and there's another book called The Archives of Cuba. Los Archivos de Cuba. And um, that one, um, you can also go into the Cuban Genealogy Club of Miami to get more information on how to acquire that, that particular book. Newspapers that you should be aware of, um, where you could find... Uh, Death announcements, uh, wedding announcement is El Diario de la Marina and El Diario de La Habana or Gaceta de La Habana. Okay. I also encourage you to visit the cubangenweb.org website. Um, there are information about passengers and ships that came from Spain. In fact, this uh, project uh, maintains, as I heard, a, a database of ships and passenger arrival and departure um, have, from Havana, Cuba in the 1800s. The database has now surpassed 130,000 records, and the records can be searched by surnames, first name and ship names. A typical record lists the names of individuals, the names of the ship, the port of departure, the port of arrival, and the date of arrival. Most of the ships in this database can come from ports along the eastern coast of America. And the access is 100% free, so you don't need to pay to get access to these. And I want to wrap up with some final advice for the Cuban genealogy. I'm going to talk about three things. And one is how to stay organized. First thing I would suggest is finding a software so you can create your family tree. You can also do this on paper if you find charts. But keeping things in a software, a family tree software, is better because you're able to upload pictures, and records, such as your baptismals, your death records, your um, communion, um, wedding certificates, 
everything that you have, even pictures, you can upload to the um, family tree um, pro um, program. Selecting a family tree program um, is something very personal. I don't tell anyone which one to select. That depends on you and how you visualize uh, a family tree that is comfortable to your eyes. For me, uh, I, I happen to like Ancestry. I think it's uh, easy to navigate and I'm able to save a lot of information in there. But I also have family trees with other other um, websites like uh, MyHeritage. I have a family tree with Family Tree DNA. And I did purchase the Family Tree Maker software. It's really up to you. But it's very important that you also keep uh, a memory or a jump drive or flash drive, some form of memory where you can save all the archives that you receive from Cuba. I have a um, external hard drive with uh, two terabytes of memory and I, I keep a lot of my information there. I also have a laptop that has, I don't know, I think three or four terabytes of memory. It was quite expensive, but um, it will help me keep backups of everything that I have. I also bought binders to keep everything organized by um, surnames and, and dates and things like that. Um, I would advise that you also uh, put together like some kind of an index for yourself. Uh, the more ancestors you add to your tree, the more confusing things are gonna, going to get. So keeping things um, organized is, um, is something that is, is hard to do. But if you have some kind of an index, something that can guide you, that will be very helpful. So deciding which family tree to, to choose is going to depend on you. You're going to have to go and Google some of the family trees that are available out there and just see what people are saying about them um, sometimes you might you might get a visual of what they might look like and you can decide if that's the right family tree for for you the next thing I want to talk about is DNA testing DNA testing is very important because this is how you're going to find people who have um, a common DNA with you and you can find a common ancestor Again, uh, there are various DNA companies uh, where you can uh, get DNA tested with. Uh, that's going to depend on you. Uh, I'll name a few of the companies that provide DNA testing. Um, the first one is Ancestry.com. There's also FamilyTreeDNA.com. There is 23andMe.com. And there is MyHeritage.com. Those are probably like the most popular ones. Uh, I'm sure there, there are many other uh, companies. And again, it will be up to you to decide which company you want to test with. When I was about to test for DNA back in 2016, I did some research and I came to the conclusion that I wanted to test with Family Tree DNA. So not because it's the best one, but because... Um, 
After reading and doing some research, I found out that Family Tree DNA is the only company that does not share your DNA without your permission. That was something that was important to me. And and so I decided to go with that company. So I have only tested with one. Some people test with two, three, four different companies. And they do this because they wanted uh, there's more chances of getting uh, connections. For me, it was just easier to, um, to test with one company. And then I uploaded my raw DNA to JetMatch. So if you upload your DNA to JetMatch, um, you are going to be able to connect to other people that tested with other companies. If you don't know what JetMatch is, um, JetMatch is an application for comparing your DNA test result with other people. So for example, if somebody tested with Ancestry and you tested with Family Tree DNA and you think you might be cousins because you came from the same area and you have maybe a common last name, you may want to um, use that application to compare your DNA tests. So all you have to do is just create an email, uh, email address and a password. Um, I'm sorry, a username and password and, and just register. And then if you already tested and you have your results, you can upload your results to JetMatch. And if you're not sure how to do that, um, you can Google uh, how to up upload your raw DNA into JetMatch. Google has, I think there are videos that actually show you depending on what company you test it with, how you can upload your results, your raw DNA to JetMatch. So that's one thing that I highly advise you do because again, you'll be able to compare with other people and uh, it's also good as an application for estimating your ancestry. Um, it's, it's a free uh, application, so there is no cost at all to do this. So um, I hope you, you're able to do it. Now, the last thing I want to talk about is cemeteries. Unlike the United States, in Cuba, we don't have... Um, a lot of old cemeteries but we do have a lot of cemeteries in Cuba and unfortunately Cuba is always uh, <laughs> left behind so to speak um, we have a website called findagrave.com and if you go into findagrave.com you can find a lot of cemeteries from all over the world that have been um, put together there um, fortunately, um, some Cuban Americans have created cemeteries and find a grave. I want to give a shout out to Brian Toscobello because he has um, created the Cologne Cemetery in find a grave. So find a grave has um, cemeteries. You can do a search and find out if the cemetery in Cuba is on find a grave. Um, I have been able to create two cemeteries, the one of Santo Cristo de la Salud and the one of Bejucal. Now, these cemeteries are not complete, but they do have a lot of um, information. 
So basically with, with Find a Grave, you, uh, again, you have to create a username and password. And once you do that, uh, you want to find a cemetery. You can, um, there's, a, there's a tab that says cemeteries and you can go there and you can search by the name. So if you have a cemetery and a name and a location, uh, you can actually type in the name and you can find the cemetery that way and this could be another source of information for for you if you're trying to find an ancestor or somebody you can also request a, a picture so if there's already a cemetery created like for example uh brian has created the cologne cemetery and i have created la salud cemetery and you have you know you have someone in buried in Cologne or in La Salud, you can request, if you don't see it, if you don't see it already, you can request a picture of their tombstone and someone in Cuba will take a picture and it will be uploaded to find a grave. I hope this past podcast has been informational for you and that um, and helpful. Uh, I want to thank everyone who has listened to the podcast. Please leave any comments. And you can email at aileenv2000 at msn.com. I hope to hear from you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and like to help support the Cuban Family Roots podcast, please share it with others, post it on your social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Cuban Family Roots or on Twitter at Cuban Family Roots Podcast or Facebook at Cuban Family Roots Podcast. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.